0: Welcome to another episode of The Good Listening To Show, your life and times with me, Chris Grimes, the storytelling show that features The Clearing, where all good questions come to get asked and all good stories come to be told. And where all my guests have two things in common. They're all creative individuals and all with an interesting story to tell. There are some lovely storytelling metaphors a clearing, a tree, a juicy storytelling exercise called 54321, some alchemy, some gold, a cheeky bit of Shakespeare, and a cake. So it's all to play for. So, yes, welcome to the Good Listening To Show, Your Life and Times with me, Chris Grimes. Are you sitting comfortably? Yeah. Then we shall begin. Look at that. I count to four as usual in my head, which saves me editing later. Ladies and gentlemen, Min Min, quite literally Min Min Min, would you please welcome the glorious Lucy Bryars, award winning, thrice nominated, once we're won, uh, award winning <laughs> actress, your Very performance true. in Rosmersholm? I think you'll find.
1: Yes. Very, very very good. Most people don't attempt it. Well done.
0: (laughs) Here all week. And it was the Clarence Derwent Award. It was. Yes. Which
1: I'd never heard of until I won it, but quite, quite a pedigree. Um, And I'm very, very happy to say that people like Gene Hackman and Christopher Walken have won that award. Yes, they have. In New York. Yeah. It started on Broadway and then moved into the West End in the 1940s. So, Yes. 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 And by the way, thank you for that delicious word, um, pedigree, because mm-hmm. obviously
0: we can't talk to you without acknowledging the fact that you are from sort of theatrical, filmic, you know, TV in the UK, aristocracy, because you are the daughter of the wonderful, now sadly departed, Richard Briers as well.
1: I am indeed. indeed. And I will
0: be talking about him in a minute. <laughs> and you've said some really, and, and please do mention the wonderful um, moniker he learned for himself because of his love of wine later on. I will. I thank will you so much so uh, you're extremely welcome you're an english actress most famous for obviously winning that award and well done for the illustrious company of other pedigrees that also have won that same thank award you. thank and you very much what's the story between clarence derwent is he someone who is uh
1: no clarence Derwent was um a, a british actor and he moved over to new york in i think the 1920s and he was very much um sort of part of equity and he was a supporting actor and he started the Clarence Derwent award uh for the best supporting actor and actress on Broadway and that's where it started and then he moved back to the UK in the 1930s 40s and he brought the award with him so yeah it's very nice to win. You know, you are basically named the best supporting actress, as I was, uh, for 2019 in the West End. You can't say fairer than that, can you? <laughs> that is awesome. And the fact yeah, you didn't know anything awesome. about you didn't know anything
0: about him now, you're a complete ambassador for it. I, I am. That. Yeah, I looked, <laughs> I looked him up.
1: I like I like to know
0: what I've won. <laughs> and it's such a joy, by the way. We have the Ritalovic Theatre School in common. We weren't there at the same time, but I know we went, we went there. We're both alumni num 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 We there. are, we are, yeah, we are. Yes, London, I'm a little London. bit older than you. <laughs> I don't think you are. Actually. Oh, okay. I've, I've googled you,
1: and I'm. I, you were born in. Well, do you mind if I age you? No, school no. School? I'm. I'm very open about things like that because I think otherwise one, one colludes with the patriarchy. <laughs> I like As a you. woman, if you're constantly going. I'm 32. No, I'm 55. <laughs> yes,
0: and I'm 60. I was born in 62 oh, or oh, okay. 67. So uh, yes. Yes. And let us not collude with the patriarchy. I love no, that. no,
1: let's not do that. No, not, Or the obsession with youth. No, no, no. Age is... So,
0: the... You are extremely welcome to the Good Listening to Show Stories of Distinction and Genius, which are going to be giving us by the bucket load anyway. We've had some really lovely conversations and I've really enjoyed researching you to get together to this point too. So it's going to be my complete joy to bring you into a clearing or serious happy place of your choosing. Then there's going to be the usual construct, which makes everybody feel safe, warm and fuzzy, which is a clearing, a tree, a juicy bit of... Shakespeare, a couple of random squirrels, and a cake. So it's all lovely. Beautiful. There's lovely. some storytelling apples. There's gorgeous. a baton. There's cake and there's oh, squirrels.
1: Oh, and there's
0: there's really a, there's a gold bar as well. Well I'm Ooh, I like them.
1: the look of that. So <laughs>
0: because it's going into a thinking show shortly, it's also going to have all this common paraphernalia. And a bell. Always go into any rabbit holes. Which I'm sure I will. Good. OK. <laughs> so welcome aboard. Uh, what is, where is a clearing for Lucy Briars? Where do you go to clutter-free, Inspirational? Where is your serious happy place?
1: Manhattan. <laughs> the island of Manhattan. But let's get very specific and say uh, the Sheep Meadow in Central Park. Gorgeous. Tell yeah. us a with bit. No, about with, the... with no one else in it. If we, for, for today, for today. Um, Manhattan New York is my what I call my soul city I've been very lucky I've worked there twice uh, the last time I worked there I was I lived there for five months so I feel I know it quite well and it's just where I feel happy I am certain if I lived there all the time I it wouldn't be that probably London would be my sole city because I think living in a city like Manhattan is is it's hard work, you know, it's hard work. But um, the energy of that place makes me feel like anything is possible. And my stepdaughter said to me once when she was over visiting, when I was working there, she said, you're always happier here, aren't you? <laughs> and I went, yeah, I am. There's something about it. Um, and I've always been an Americanophile since I was a kid. So yeah, um, Central Park.
0: And when, as a kid, did you first get to go to America? Was that in work? I didn't go
1: to New York until ah. uh, 1996. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was in my late twenties and I went out to visit my dad and my mum was with him as well. He was doing a play on Broadway. Um, and I remember stepping off the plane. I mean, I hadn't even got to Manhattan, stepping off the plane. And I just went, oh, I, I love I love this place, <laughs> JFK Airport. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and um, yeah, I and there's that, cab ride. Uh the, I mean, I now kind of go by public transport because I know how to do that now. But the first time I got there, the cab ride when you suddenly see Manhattan on the horizon. Yes. And it, it, for me, I've watched so many American movies in my life. I I was obsessed by Starsky and Hutch and Six Million Dollar Man and Kojak. I mean I know they're not all set in New York, but I was obsessed by America as a kid. And so I felt like I'd kind of come home. it's was a very, very strange feeling. And I've been like that ever since about it. Yeah.
0: And as yes. a self-professed Americanophile, as you very deftly put, have you ever done that sort of um,
1: Hollywood L.A. thing where you've gone to yes. hang out in L.A.? Yeah, not so keen. Yes. <laughs> no, yes. um, you know, uh, we have friends in L.A. They've actually now moved to New York, which is great. But um, I did do the pilot season when I was about yep. 42, uh, which was deeply soul destroying. Um uh, uh, although what I found very funny was I would turn up for meetings and I actually had a casting director say this to me. I'm going to do a slightly dodgy American accent now. She went, what I love about you is that you're 42, but your face still moves. <laughs> I'm not joking. And I was like, okay. She said, you've had no filler. You've, you've had nothing. And I went, no, I've had, it's amazing. <laughs> I was like, okay, like, okay. the,
0: the travesty of Botox was like camera in action. So yeah, yeah absolutely. So,
1: so yeah, I I, I realised. That was probably the pinnacle moment where I realized this city is really not for me. Um, but um, I do love San Francisco and I love San Diego. But uh, L.A. is is a tricky place, I think. Yes. It's a tricky place. It's got a weird environment, uh, energy to it, because you've got a lot of people who are desperate.
0: It, <laughs> you know. I can confirm yeah. that your face is still moving beautifully. Thank
1: you. Yes. Still no fillers, day. guys. Still no fillers. I'm occasionally tempted to lift the jowls, but still no fillers. I'm not going to do it. I promise you. Wonderful. So um, you said very
0: beautifully as well, you want to be on
1: your own and you called it the Sheep's Meadow, did you? It's meadow. Yeah, it's a kind of massive bit of clearing like green grass in Central Park, the south end of Central Park. Yeah, I, I mean, if we're going to be, you know, peaceful and groovy during this thing, then no, I don't want anyone disturbing it. Yeah. It's a huge area. I'm being very selfish. I just want it to myself at this time. Yeah, it's take yeah. me down a rabbit hole of um, the sort of gangs of New York when it used to be a sheep meadow. Yeah, yeah. As absolutely, absolutely.
0: Yes, yeah. Um, you so. wouldn't mind too much if someone like Daniel Day Lewis turned up, obviously.
1: Uh, well, he um, yes, because he'd be far more interesting than me. So yeah, so, Daniel, please, <laughs> oh, please okay. carry on. Carry Sorry, on.
0: You, you don't <laughs> want to be upstage. We'll stop that. No, 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 but no, no. he is,
1: he is. Yeah, a Bovts alumnus. Yes,
0: I was very struck with. He is absolutely astonishing, but he can't possibly have learnt what he does at the Bristol Old Vic Theatre School.
1: No, it isn't that kind of school, is it? No, no, it isn't. No. But, you know, it, it gave me a huge amount of, I always describe that, the approach of that school as it was like being given um, theater, a theatre school buffet that yes. you could literally just pick. There was no methodology. And I really loved that about that school. Yes. And, and so... I approach each job totally differently. I don't have a method that I apply. Yes. like, oh, right, now I do this character work and that I literally approach every job in a slightly different way. And that I think was the most valuable thing that I took away from Bristol. Yes. And,
0: uh, you know, when we have to start again, you know, there's that always that imposter syndrome in all actors. We think, oh, God, will my method, however formed or unformed it is yeah. will it ever work again yeah. yeah Or will i ever work again yeah <laughs> it's <is> a lovely <laughs> lovely punchline i love that <laughs> that you. wasn't a rabbit hole i was just giving you a bell that was a good punchline you. Oh, thank you very much so um even though you want to be on your own if i may i'm going to now interrupt you with a tree it's a bit sh- waiting for god yes. to uh, arrive existentially with a tree in your clearing yeah shake your tree to see which storytelling apples fall out. How do you like them apples? So this is your response now within the Sheep's Meadow, within Central Park in yep. central New York yes. in yes. Manhattan, where um, your, this is your response to five minutes to have thought about four things that have shaped you, three things that inspire you two things that never fail to grab your attention that's where the random squirrels will come in and then a quirky or unusual fict about you that yes. uh, Lucy Briers we couldn't possibly know until you tell us so okay. over to you to just interpret the shaking of your canopy as you see fit
1: okay so shall i because i'm quite um a structured person so i will go through exactly what you've asked me Thank so you. um so the four things that have shaped me i mean do i go into any detail shall i list them all and then go back to the top and Uh, you can do it how you want I'd like you to go into a bit more detail okay great if you had an instinct to do it that way that's really lovely no no no. so number one would be being the child of a famous person now I really thought about this because it's not until you I think this is true of anybody's childhood it's not until you come out of your childhood that you understand how unique your childhood was in any any way you know everybody's childhoods are unique but I think, I think it's very odd being the child of somebody well-known. I mean, my father was at his height of fame when my sister and I were children. So, uh, you are walking down the street with your dad and he stopped every third person by, by every third person to say, Oh, hello, Richard. You know, I loved the good life last night or whatever it was, you know? And, um, We would be stopped on holidays. We would be, you know, all of that. Now, my father was an extremely lovely person and he gave time to each and every person who stopped him because as he always said to my sister and I, if it wasn't for the people who love my work, I would not be working, which is absolutely right. But of course, as a kid... It's a bit annoying <laughs> because you're like he. I, I'm. I'm out for a walk with my dad. Why do I keep getting interrupted? Um, and so I think what how it shaped me was that I am actually, although I'm quite extrovert and I enjoy a social and I love a chat, I'm actually quite a private person. Mm-hmm. That's what I've realised. I I don't reveal a lot of myself uh, to people unless they're in my kind of inner circle. Yes. So I think that shaped me a lot. Um, And also you learned, my sister and I've talked about this, you learned how to present the brand. Yes. The Richard Bryce family, Radio Times family brand, which is what we called it. And (laughs) you, you, you compartmentalize that. And that's how you present yourself to the general world. And then of course, there's your actual family life with all its ups and downs. And it's, you know, all the things that everybody has. So yeah, it taught me how to do a private and a public self
0: and indeed in the research that i really enjoyed doing into you you made some beautiful comments about how you had to sort of you know navigate the differentiator between the man who was my dad rather than the man who was as you say the good brand richard Bryce. Yeah, Um, and of course in in how everyone's narrative gets confused i almost can imagine you walking down the street close to surbiton because that's where the good life was but of course that's complete nonsense
1: yeah, yeah, it was London. It was West London. Yeah, yes. that's where we were brought up. Yeah, but no, it wasn't Surbiton.
0: <laughs> and you, you may talk more about this, but also the other thing I, I was really interested to ask you about was that your your the way you've handled the grief of it, your profound sense of both absence and presence. He's still there, obviously, but absence and presence. Yeah. And then you said particularly when you're working in theatre, which I find really interesting,
1: almost like an angelic presence. He
0: uh, totally is. He uh, totally, totally your is
1: dad on stage. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think he I, like. Well, I think I'm very much like him in this respect. That I think he was happiest in theatre, and uh, and as a genre, so am I. That's my kind of place of of great content in my work. And I always, I always feel his presence uh, it kind of it, towards the opening of a show, and uh, you know, and occasionally, you know, halfway through a long run, I'll kind of feel like he's just standing in the wings, going, you know, all right, love, come on, <laughs> keep going, you know. <laughs> um yeah I, I and I do still I, I don't know how other people uh experience this but I I feel his presence now very much comes and goes whereas when he first died which is 10 years ago now uh yeah. I felt it very very strongly but um but yeah he comes and goes he turns up which is lovely yeah it's really lovely and maybe you'll talk about this as well but I was also really struck
0: with you describing your dad cupboard so you've got a cupboard you go to when you need a top-up if you like
1: Yeah. How lucky, how lucky am I that I have my dad on like 50 different DVDs? I mean, how, how extremely lucky is that? So yeah, if I need to just see him move and talk, um, I will just go. It's usually an episode of Ever Decreasing Circles (laughs) (laughs) because he was so genius in that. And um, it's just lovely. It's just lovely to see him and, and just hear his voice. Yeah. How lucky I, I just, I just feel very privileged that I'm able to do that. And just while I'm there, the other thing
0: that I, I was really struck by was you you reported that when he died, your mum and you re- uh, received, and I I gather your mum's no longer with us either, is that right? No,
1: she died a year ago, yeah. Um, yeah.
0: And um, you received 750 letters almost immediately afterwards telling stories about him that you had no idea about, but they were all attesting to his extraordinary generosity. Stuff like, you know, sending a check to someone to get them through drama school, just, just yep. wonderful stuff to attest what a gorgeous human being he was. Yeah. The the brand was
1: consistent. Totally. And and what you know, <laughs> I'm so not that kind of person. I'm the kind of person who goes, yeah, I've just made a donation to uh <laughs> you know, I can't help myself. I have to like get a pat a pat on the back for some sort of altruism. <laughs> but my father was not like that. My father, yeah, as as I as I say, you know, he did he did many things for people that my mum was just not aware of you know and just acts of kindness and time that he spent with people and yeah it was extraordinary I think in the end my mum got about 1500 letters after my yes. dad died within two weeks it was extraordinary I mean it was it was kind of too much um in terms of like we just went oh my god and they're all still in box files actually which is sort of yes. ludicrous but um uh, but yeah it, it 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 was a testament to him it yes. was wonderful it was wonderful
0: yeah, wonderful, and how appropriate that you mentioned him as the first profound shapage, if you like. Yeah,
1: lovely yeah. Hard. He 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 really w- he really is and was. You know, he still is. He still is very much. A lot of my approach to my work is is sort of founded on what he taught me and how he advised me. And what was lovely is as I became a professional actor, and uh, we would actually advise each other. He would sometimes send me scripts and go, "What do you think? Should I do this or not?" Yes. Um, I am the reason he's in Cockneys versus Zombies. <laughs> Of course you are. <laughs> because I read it and, and my mum was like, there's so much swearing. And and I just, and, and my dad was like, there is a lot of swearing. And I went, yeah, but it's going to be cult. You've got to do this. <laughs> so, Wonderful. so he did it, yeah. yeah. And is it your sister you talked about as well? Um, has she gone into acting as well? My sister uh, trained at Lambda to be a stage manager and uh, worked her way up to be a company manager in the West End, and then she had kids, and so she took time out to do that. And then uh, when her kids left home, she brilliantly retrained to be a primary school teacher. She is about to retire, I don't blame her, um, because my God, my God, how hard they work. Um, But yeah, she she started out in theatre and then, you know, has, but I think being a teacher is almost like being a performer.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And my daughter's just recently t- trained as a primary school teacher, so that's oh, very wow. great. And yeah. I love the fact your your sister gave it up to go and stage manage a family instead, which is indeed, the, she did
1: indeed. She did indeed.
0: Yes. So um, <laughs> we're we're in the canopy of your tree, deliciously
1: yes. talking about the second apple now of uh, shapeage, Shapage. University. Um so I went to a very, very privileged private school in London. And I about, I think something ridiculous, like 75 or 80% of my year went to Oxford or Cambridge. Okay. That's what you were supposed to do really from my school. And because I wanted to be an actor, I kind of didn't want to go to university at all, but my parents were like, you are going to university. So I was like, okay. And I think now they'd be different because of course, now you can't get Grants for more than like you know we can't really get grants very much at all nowadays. But let's not get into that. Um, but in in those in my time, uh, my young days, I was very lucky as we all were to that we could get grants like for quite a lot of further education. So I went to Lancaster University, and I was the second pupil from my school to have ever gone there. Lancaster was founded, I think in the I think it's 1965, but anyway mid 60s, very left wing, very political. At the time I went, it was kind of known informally as the Gay University of the UK. I did not know this. So I turned up and I turned up as a uh, basically, a Sloan Ranger with hair down to sort of here. I literally talk like this. I mean, I literally could barely open my mouth. <laughs> I mean, my father said to me once. He said, "I've spent thousands of pounds on your education. I can't understand what you're saying." <laughs> literally, like, I don't know what you mean, Dad. God, you're so like ridiculous. Um, so I turned up to this left-wing, highly politicized um, school. I think there are about three or four percent of the students came from private education. Everybody else, grammar comprehensive. It was incredibly tough because I also came with, I have a famous parent, Yes, but it was the greatest thing that could have ever happened to me. It was, it was extraordinary. I was, I was broken down and I was rebuilt and it was, let me say to you that by term three, I'd shaved my hair off. (laughs) Wow. dyed it orange and Um, it was an eclectic subject you went to theatre and sculpture I am I did I read theatre and sculpture because uh Lancaster is one I don't know if it still does this I hope it does it's uh it's based it bases its degrees on an American thing where you can kind of make units you you pick units from different subjects to create your degree um so I have a degree in independent studies that's what my degree is called um and independent indeed it was but it 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 was an incredible transformative time for me. I, I became very politicized. I mean, I was already politicized. I stood for what was then the Ecology Party, now the Green Party, when I was 11 at my posh school's mock elections. Um, and um, so I was already like out there and kind of politically engaged, but Lancaster completely engaged me. And I've, I've never brandished more placards in my life. I'm still a, a big old protest march person, but and I just, I have three friends from that period uh, who are still uh, my, really three of my closest friends because one in particular basically got me through my first year. Cause I, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't say I, I did not have a breakdown, but I think what happened was that everything I thought I was about was challenged. So you had a recalibration in a way. Totally. totally. A reawakening. And, yeah. yeah. A real, a, a total awakening of what life was actually about you know and it wasn't about living in a quite a gilded bubble in West London in my very privileged school with my famous parent and yeah so it changed my life and I am forever grateful to it for doing that And th- I, I don't think I'd have gotten to drama school if I hadn't had uh, that. okay yeah and, in,
0: and indeed the preparation for drama school doing theatre and sculpture makes you great for tableaus
1: <laughs> oh so many
0: tableaus <laughs> thanks very much Oh, that's perfect, Chris. I'm very glad that joke worked. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> so yeah, so I am very grateful to that. To that. And case. you said it was the demographic of being renowned at the time as being the the principal's gay university in the UK. Does well, that mean that the demographic, uh, most of your friends were therefore gay as well? Or
1: no, no, not no. It didn't. It, it, I mean, actually, surprised quite a lot of us when we were there. We were like, oh, really? Really? Okay. But yes, there was a very robust yes. LGBT. You wouldn't have called it this. Now you'd have you would have said LGB, would you? Yes, LGB movement then. Yes. Uh, now obviously LGBTQ plus I, I plus plus I. Oh, I'm being so terrible now. I do know this. Sorry, guys. <laughs> 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 LGBTQI plus. There we go. That's so yes. it. Um and uh no, there was a very robust movement there. And um and I became a part of that in terms of supporting my gay friends and um actually having gay friends. I mean nobody at my school had come out at that point when I left, you know, after A-levels. They have since, um, which is marvellous. But yeah, it was it was a, a huge education in every possible way, as university should be. Yes, You know, as university should be. And I would occasionally go to like, you know, Oxford or Cambridge to visit old school friends. And I would just walk about going, oh my God, is this like being in the Truman Show? I know the Truman Show hadn't come out yet, but it was kind of like, it was weird. It was just like being at school, but Yes. Everybody was older. <laughs> you know? And ironically so, also
0: yeah. it's normally drama schools that have a reputation of breaking you down and rebuilding you whereas yeah. you had a little bit of that or a lot of that rather very profoundly yeah. at Lancaster before you then yeah. went to, to the Bristol Old Vic theatre
1: school. Yeah, totally, totally. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. And great. loads of devised work and loads of political work and it was fantastic. Yes. Stop, stop, stop. I could talk about it all day. <laughs> Thank Lovely. you. Thank you so much. So now we're up to the third apple of shapeage. Okay, so we get a little bit darker now. Uh, My divorce. (laughs) I love that. Fun times, everyone. Uh, Buckle up. Um, So I got married when I was 28, and I got divorced when I was 37, and I'd been with my ex-husband for three years before that. So I was it was a 12-year relationship in all. Um, My divorce was deeply painful. I'm going to be very open about why it happened. He he left me for one of my oldest friends. Fun times. That happens more than you think, everyone.
0: Um,
1: yes. <laughs> so, you know, um, And nobody talks about it because it's almost taboo. Um, yeah, it was a very, very, very difficult time. And uh, what it, apart from literally exploding my life, uh, because I had absolutely no idea any of this was going on, it'd been going on for about a year, um, was that, of course, what that does, if... It's not just the person you've married, but it's also involving someone you've known since you were like 10, 11. Gosh, yes. You literally go, oh, I can't. I do, I'm i a really bad judge of character. So you then start questioning everything about your life and who you've chosen as friends and who you've chosen as lovers. And I mean, it, it just imploded Everything. It, it was. It was a very, very, very difficult time. Um, uh, however, and whilst we're
0: going there, just can I ask, how did you find out? Was it honourably disclosed, or did you find out because of the subversion?
1: And... I. It took a long time for him to disclose. He did that terrible thing. Which, if anyone ever says this to me. <laughs> I will literally go goodbye uh he said that thing of like I need some space oh yes I need some space and I uh, naively and foolishly for about six seven weeks was like okay well all right well then maybe we'll just live apart for a bit and blah 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 I was so sort of like trusting of just that that is I took it at face value Yes, yes it was nonsense and eventually I kind of got it out of him over the phone um and and did some very bad voice work because i screamed so uh i was so stressed i screamed and i pulled a muscle in my neck wow, oh, <laughs> and, wow. and then sort of walked around like this for about two days because yes. if life wasn't bad enough um but you know what there we go terrible and lots of people have been through this um but what came out of that divorce uh I would say the first year was very hard. uh, And I kind of hit a weekend where I just could see nothing but hopelessness. And I was extremely lucky that I had not only my amazing family, but I had some incredible friends who got me through this. I don't know how you get through something like that if you don't have a support structure, to be frank. And from that weekend, where I literally just went, I don't think i can get through this um things started to you know improve and i uh, we sold the marital home i put all my belongings into storage because i thought i can't even think about what i want to do next and i went and rented a room in a friend's house in north london for 18 months i was 37 36 37 and i was it was like i was back being 22 <laughs> And the most extraordinary thing happened that I just got lots of work because I didn't care. I was so brave because everything was so gone. The way I thought my life was going to go had disappeared. So I had no fear. I had no fear, so I'd walk into auditions, and I think I came across as this sort of slightly interesting, kind of enigmatic person. And of course, that means people employ you because they go, oh "God, they're really interesting, aren't they?" And they haven't got that usual sort of whiff of desperation that we all usually have in <laughs> yeah. in, 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 in auditions, like, "Oh, please, I'm so available," you know. Um, so I got so much work, and I I had money coming in, and I went and travelled, and I so I was answerable to no one. Mm. And it was extraordinary. And what it taught me, what my, how it shaped me was I found a strength and resilience in me that I didn't know existed and, and has basically made me a happier person ever since. I'm not going to say to my you know, ex-husband and the person involved that he was involved with, thanks guys. Oh, that was so great. <laughs> my life just became so much better because of you two. No, I'm not going to say that. It's how I reacted to it. It's how I handled it. And that has made, has led me to a much more fulfilled life, I think. And I'm a much stronger person because I got through it. And my so,
0: assumption is that there wasn't the complexity of children involved in that to make no, extra, extra No,
1: I was, uh, we were, uh, we were about to do IVF.
0: Yeah, oh, blimey. I'm yeah.
1: well-escaped, well madam, if I may say indeed, so. Indeed, yes. indeed. And, you know, much as I am very sad, I've never had a child of my own. I am a very um, happy and uh stepmother, um, uh, and I have been for the last 16 years, and that's brought me a huge amount of joy. But, yes. you know, I am really pleased, actually, that yes. I didn't have to go through that. And I didn't have to put a little person through that, because that would have been horrendous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And-
0: in the extraordinary sort of cataclysmic uh, catharsis, is, is there now a peace accord with ex-partner and elder best friend? Or
1: I, I have no idea where my ex-husband, I kind of vaguely know what he is and what he does. He has kids, which I'm really happy about. Yeah. Um, I don't, uh, he did go, he kind of said, I'd love us to be friends. I'm like, Really, I just can't see us sitting over a cappuccino catching up. I just, I just can't see that at all. I, I can't oh, no. see myself not throwing it all over you. <laughs> exactly, and and you know, I'm I'm very much a believer of like kind of move on and clean slate it. Really, and yes. as for my old friend, no, I have no interest in in that. I think yeah no interest at all and, and i registered. I wasn't trying fine. to build that bridge for you so. exactly no i i hope she's fine but i no interest at all i have i have my friends who i love and i don't spend enough time with them so why would i waste time <laughs> by the way as you very wisely and sagely said it happens far more than we think and
0: isn't it yes. interesting how when something at the time feels absolutely catastrophic it oh, yeah. ends up actually being one of the best things that could have ever happened for exactly complicated right. dark reasons but actually it's not how we're knocked over in life. It's how we get up again and how we keep going.
1: Exactly, and and kind of university and divorce. I, I'm realizing, and the last thing I'm going to talk about, they're all mass. They're all massive challenges. I don't yes. think life shapes you when you're just having a great time. You know, I just it doesn't. It does. It's it, it shapes you when. You know that the chips are on the floor, and you're you just kind of go, "Oh my god, my life is just ruined," or yes. "or this is very difficult," or whatever it is. And and it's how it's exactly what you say. It's how you react, and the choices you make from that. That's what shapes you, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that reminds me also of that lovely sage-like comment, which is easy to say, but it's more complicated. But the difference in life between what you get and what you want is what you do. So it's the action towards. Yes. It's always yeah. what action you take, you know, when, when chips are down, uh, will make And the the movement. So you you moved away, you got the new flat. So it's all very commendable and very, uh, I'm sure, resonant for anyone listening who's been through something similar. Thank you for yeah. having the. Courage there is light. To go there is
1: light. If anyone's going through it right now, there's definitely light at the end of the tunnel. Just keep going. <laughs> you, you, described time.
0: The, you described the weekend of hitting rock bottom as well, from mm. which it then started to get back
1: yeah. up again. Yeah yeah rich wonderful stuff thank you lucy so the fine the final one um i've got we've got time haven't we? the final one and this is this is again quite dark is my mother's alzheimer's i will be very brief about this my mother passed away a year ago just over a year ago she'd had alzheimer's for we think about nine years Mm -hmm. uh it was only diagnosed uh, about seven years ago um and because i live Lived close to her, and my sister's job is full time, and she lives out of London. I happily stepped forward as the person who would sort of coordinate care, help her run her house, etc. Anyone who's had any uh, experience of a relative or a spouse who has had dementia or has dementia, it is it is the worst of illnesses uh, for many reasons. There is no uh, cure. Uh, there is no prescriptive treatment so it's not like having cancer and somebody goes okay so now we're going to go and we're going to do this treatment and then that might work and the, and the the other thing is that many friends disappear because they're frightened so again uh, and i my mother actually said this you know and by this point she had alzheimer's about 2 weeks after the diagnosis she said i wish i had cancer wow actually said that yes. yeah because everybody kind of Not everybody. She had some amazing friends who stayed put right till the end. But a lot of people disappeared. Mm -hmm. And uh, also the wonderful National Health Service, which is just about still standing. uh, They don't have the funds. They don't have the, the capabilities to help you after diagnosis. So you are truly left on your own.
0: And Um, reading between the lines as well, as we know, it's the great detetherer because people are detethered from their own sense of being and detethers friends. It just untethers
1: everything. That's a brilliant way of putting it. It really does. So I, my journey with my mum was one of, I'm a very impatient person and I learned patience because uh, I had to. And uh, about for the first year after a diagnosis, I was impatient with her because also I hadn't quite accepted it that my amazing intellectually robust and brilliant mother Mm -hmm. who I'm very I was very close to um uh, was going to disappear was going to sort of slightly flake away in front of me and so she did she used to do these things and and I learned I learned how to enter her reality I learned how to accept her illness I learned to be patient all these things which you know, as I say, I'm a really impatient person, which was incredible. But there were things like she very early on, she would do this thing. We'd go for a walk and she loved dogs as I love dogs. And she, she would bark. If she saw a dog, she'd go. (laughs) And at first I just found it so embarrassing and like, oh my God, my mother is barking because there's a Labrador (laughs) coming towards us. And after a while I was just, I just barked with her. You know, I was just like, okay, this is how my mother's reacting to this dog and we're just going to bark together. And that's going to be great. And I do think there needs to be more awareness generally. And by the
0: way, There's a lovely so. comedy improvisational strategy, which is if in doubt, join in. So the fact your yes. mom's
1: barking and she's barking, so let's get barking. Let's get barking. <laughs> and, and very briefly, another example of that would be that, uh, this is quite late on in her illness. We were all sitting around the kitchen table. There was me, there was two of my mom's carers. Cause by the end she needed two carers at home. And, uh, and she suddenly was on the tube line. She was on the Piccadilly line. She suddenly was like, oh, the doors have opened. And by this point, I was so into improv by this point with my mother. I was just like, okay, we're diving in. I say, like, what doors, darling? And she went, oh, Gloucester Road. We're at Gloucester Road. So I went, okay, we're on the Piccadilly line. So we We went into town. We went into town and we got off at Green Park because my mother decided we were going to the Royal Academy. And we went, we went and then I took her into the sitting room and we looked at the paint pictures on her sitting room wall as if we are in a gallery. And then we got back on the tube around the kitchen table and came home. <laughs> it was absolutely marvellous. Yes. So it taught me a lot. It taught me a lot. It was exhausting and horrendous and all those other things but it taught me a lot. And And,
0: and by the way, that's just resonated. So, you know, at the beginning I said about your grief about absence and presence working Mm. in tandem, how Mm. the fact your mum is actually becoming absent, but you stayed monumentally present with what her presence needed to be.
1: Yeah, that's true. And in a weird way, there were moments where I felt I was closer to my mother than I'd ever been because the illness kind of whittled her down to her essences, you know, and, uh, yeah, that was that was an. And that,
0: by the way, resonates beautifully with what comes at the end, which is the seven ages of man resonance. And when we talk about legacy. So, so brilliant. Yeah. That's, so that's a that. wonderful apple shape. Cool. Forgive me just getting
1: a slight lick on with the concept. Yes. So yes. now one three things that inspire you, please. please OK, listen. I'm going to be really quick with this. OK, sure. uh, the first thing that inspires me is great acting. I love watching great acting. I've just finished Succession, which uh, is is. a a, a work of art and I love to watch especially on film and television because Mm -hmm. those are genres I still kind of I still have massive imposter syndrome in even though I've done quite a lot of them I still turn up on set going I I don't think I can do this really (laughs) i watching those actors great you haven't worked for if I haven't worked for a while I actually love to watch something like that and it reminds me of why I do what I do and why I like do what I do great the other the next inspirational thing I find is art because I did sculpture at university I don't do this enough but I love going to art galleries I love just wandering around and just you know absorbing painting sculpture anything it makes me calm and it makes me very very happy um and finally travel Yeah. And is the art an
0: eclectic mix of all art or are you going to, are you honing in on a particular type of gallery? No, I
1: kind of, I kind of love everything. I'm not a big one on, um, I think I'm more modernist. I love sort of anything from kind of mid 19th century onwards. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not, I don't like, I find religious painting quite creepy. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I do. I just kind of. I don't know why. It just makes me feel a like, bit. Um, we'd just been to um, Granada in Spain, and we walked around the huge Catholic cathedral, and it just freaks me out. It just any anything like that. Just I. Can't, I don't know why. Very strange. Probably need some help on that. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'm. I'm probably more modernist. I love kind of mid 20th century. All of that. I love David Hockney. You know. Yeah. I, I'm. I'm quite eclectic. Um, so, and finally, travel which I'd sort of slightly lost the habit of because of the pandemic. And I'd lost a bit of courage on that because I was clinically vulnerable because I have a weird blood disorder, but, um, I did actually do the most amazing four months of travel with my ex-husband about two years before we got divorced <laughs> um, and, oh, uh, happy and that was memories <laughs> I know well they you know they weirdly are and yes. I'm still really happy that we did that we we traveled to South America we traveled to Australia we went to Japan it, it really was fantastic and it still feeds me so I think travel is hugely important and inspirational if, if one can do it it doesn't you don't have to go that far either. I don't think, you know, it's just a, a bit of wisdom that relationships
0: aren't necessarily pointless just because they've ended. They would have had great memories and great. Oh, my
1: God. So you ever
0: said that, but I'm just. A no, no, no,
1: no, 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 no. A, a healer friend of mine said to me, the reason you were with your ex-husband was he taught you how strong you he's shown you how strong you actually are. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So That's you a lovely go. cherry on the cake. For, it is, isn't it pretty good? So yeah, again. those are my inspirationals. There we go. Great acting, art, and travel. There we go. Gorgeous. Awesome. And now, uh,
0: here come the squirrels. What are the monsters of distraction? <laughs> the oh squirrels. What two things never fail to oh? Uh, oh dear. You, uh, well, look
1: now. I'm going to reveal how deeply shallow and superficial I am. Uh, the first one is Ryan Gosling. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I Just mean, from an eye candy point of view, everything oh, about the man Ryan Gosling. <laughs> come on now and you know my partner god love him uh he respects and and is very patient about my love of ryan gosling to the point that when blade runner 2029 came out i mean he's a massive sci-fi fan so this was for him as much as me uh he booked us to see it at the imax in waterloo big up close love that what what a happy girl i was (laughs) i mean yes great cinematography um but yeah that was wonderful and the other thing is um and i know we're coming on to cake but the other thing is red velvet cake if oh. that kind of wafted past me i that i'm gone off. although that. i am recently now under what i call the think clint uh which i've made up for myself because my partner said to me recently clint eastwood says the reason he's lived so long is he's never eaten dessert That's great advice. I love Yeah, And and I swear, I now do it. I'm now like, okay, we're at a restaurant and we get to the dessert menu. I always look at it because I have this kind of Calvinist sort of self-flagellation thing about me. I always go, and then I go, no. Because Clint, Clint because wouldn't. What would, would Clint do? What would Clint, Clint wouldn't, Clint have, wouldn't have that chocolate brownie. He just wouldn't do it. So yeah. So uh, but if it was my birthday, it would always be. If it's my birthday, red velvet cake. Yeah. Yep. So those like, two distractions—they're very shallow. I'm terribly sorry. There's nothing.
0: And have we found ourselves sort of creepily up close to Ryan Gosling in our life yet? Or Sadly no? not? No, sadly not. Because um, on your Twitter feed, I noticed you've, you'd found yourself at the um, the,
1: the premiere of uh, Mission Impossible. Well, not the premiere. Oh. Let me say, I actually met, I met TC. I actually met him. I've loved that man all, since I was 15. Not in a kind of, not in a Ryan Gosling way, but in a, no. I just love him. There's something about him. I love his acting. Yes, I know we, I'm not going to talk about all the other stuff in his life. That's not, in, that's not important to me. <laughs> I just love his acting. I love the films he's made. I love Mission Impossible. I'm an action film junkie. It, it, they're great. I love the fact he does his own stunts. And this one number seven it's the best yet everyone go and see it even if you don't like mission impossible go and see this film it's astounding and he is five foot seven and a half maybe even five foot eight everyone come on I know this I'm, I'm five foot seven and he's a delightful person so yeah I would I it was one of the greatest evenings of my life and does uh, he say uh, hi I, Lucy when he sees you now because I know Simon Pegg I very right. much doubt no I know <laughs> no, 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 I very much doubt he'd remember me from anyone because he must meet thousands of people every day but he was he did that thing that certain brilliant people do which is they make you feel like you're the only person in the room when they're talking to you so that was your go. two t- yes, squirrels go. of distraction. What's a quirky or unusual fact about you, Lucy Bryce? We couldn't possibly know till you tell us. I'm not fully qualified, but I have done a, I have trained as a hands-on healer lovely is that right reiki type thing no it's actually spiritual healing but we don't call it that because people get freaked out by it so um when i was much much younger when i was in my 20s i was extremely ill and i uh went to a healer and he sort of slight what he did he sort of changed my life so um ever since then i've been very interested in that aspect of Uh, health and approach and so yeah um and I was about to take my full qualification and my father died and I've never got back on track with it I do occasionally wow. a friend will occasionally say to me can can you do a few sessions and I do it for free because obviously I am going want to charge yes. for I'm not you know but yeah that is a quirky fact
0: lovely and, and it, you're it, you're attesting about it beautifully it's not jiggery quackery it's actually something that you have experienced directly working
1: Completely. Very briefly, I was very ill in my twenties, and I had to have a very large operation, which would have then um, meant I would have had to have had reconstructive plastic surgery. I went to this healer for six weeks, once or twice a week. I then went and had the operation. I came out of the operation, and I and then my surgeon said to me, "You don't need to have reconstructive plastic surgery because the tumor's reduced by fifty-five zero percent." Oh yeah.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Um, yeah. So I'm I'm proof. I'm, you know, and and also anyone can um, learn how to be a hands on healer. It is not some thing. Um, it's uh, we're all capable of it. And that's why I love the National Healing Trust. And that's who I trained with, because they're not about it being something special or a special gift or anything like that. We, we all have the potential within us, which is great. Lovely. Yeah. Um, so now we've shaken your tree. Huzzah. We're now going to
0: stay in the clearing, move oh. away from the tree. Next, we're talking about alchemy and gold, please. So when you're at purpose and in flow, what are you absolutely happiest doing, Lucy? Being on stage. <laughs> and, yeah, And that's when you're, you feel the presence of your dad to this day.
1: Yeah, not all the time, but yeah, I, that's when I have my, my moments of high, of of greatest contentment. It's that wonderful thing when you're in the middle of a run of a play, usually a long run and you, everything about that play, everything about each performance is almost automatic. You know, you come off stage and you know exactly what you're doing and you, I love that feeling. I love that feeling of, of when, yeah, I just, because it's what I was sort of, here, it's what I was here to do, you know, I was here yes. to be an actor. And I'm very, very lucky that I, I've always had a vocation. You know, I think that's a very fortunate thing to have. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's when I'm most in flow. Yeah.
0: So your true flow state went on stage. Lovely. Yeah. Uh, and now I'm going to award you with a cake, please. Hurrah. Oh! So you get to put a cherry on your velvet cake, um, okay. which is uh, stuff like, what's a favorite inspirational quote that's always given you <laughs> sucker and pulled
1: you toward your future? I forgot about that one. Um, Make one up. I I suppose it would be a a bit of Shakespeare here. It would be when Polonius says, and I'm going to paraphrase, be true to to thine own self be true. There we go. It's always a good
0: touchstone, isn't it? Yeah, there we go. It certainly is. What notes, help or advice might you proffer to a younger version of yourself, Lucy?
1: Pick the nice guy, Lucy. (laughs) Pick the nice guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I I ditched a couple of nice guys before I got married pick the nice guy I fortunately am now with a nice guy yeah I learned
0: he's not Ryan Gosling but you love him anyway that's love oh he's him. beautiful
1: he's beautiful
0: of course he is and now um oh and we're cranking up to a bit of Shakespeare and by the way this is a very authentic prop because this is one I actually had at the Bristol Old Vic Theatre School oh my but god just before we get there this is pass the golden baton please who in your network would you most like to pass the golden baton on to
1: I don't think I can say yet because he hasn't come back to me. <laughs> ah, we so, yes. will leave it enigmatic
0: then. Okay, good.
1: Yes, yes, yes. But um, yeah, he's an actor and a writer. I, I hope he says yes.
0: <laughs> Lovely. And he sounds, he could be quite could be quite juicy and
1: exciting. Thank you very I, much. He will be very juicy and exciting. Yes. Yeah.
0: So your mission should just accept it is to influence that particular bit of... Yeah, uh, I'm doing my very best. I can tell you. <laughs> And so your, your um, vision has snagged slightly there, but you're still there. Now, okay. inspired by Shakespeare and all the worlds of stage and all the women merely players, okay. when all is said and done, uh, Lucy, how would you most like to be remembered?
1: As somebody who um, spent a lot of t- spent their time trying to investigate the human condition and understand life and improve myself, I haven't always been, you know, when you're young, you're quite, well, I was, not always kind to people, bit kind of especially guys. So I I would like to be remembered as somebody who worked on myself and therefore improved my relationships with people.
0: (laughs) And by the way, when you listen back to this, you will see that that you've given that gift to yourself. You have indeed worked on yourself to have, uh, you're still here and you're the right way up, which is fantastic. Thank
1: you. Yeah. Gosh, it takes effort, doesn't it? By this time in one's life.
0: (laughs) Yes. Age (laughs) equals wisdom.
1: Uh, It It does. It does. It does. Yeah. Wonderful. So um,
0: where can we find out more about you on the old hinter Web? if we want to find out extra more stuff about Lucy Briars?
1: No, I don't know, really. I'm not, I don't have a website. I don't, I mean, you can go on to my agent's website. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, I'm terribly old fashioned like that. I'm a little bit enigmatic. I try, I am on Twitter, uh, but I try not to sort of ex- uh, reveal very much about myself because I sort of think that's the duty of an actor. Because yeah. if I'm on stage and somebody's gone, oh, you know, I know all about her house and her this and her that and the other, then what am I doing? I quite like to be slightly unknown. I like that.
0: I like <laughs> the cut of your jib, madam. In that. Cigar. Thank you. Thank you. So as this has been your moment in the sunshine, in the good listening to share stories of distinction and genius, is there anything else you'd like to say, Lucy Bryars?
1: No, but I've really enjoyed the hour in New York. <laughs> 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 it's been lovely.
0: <laughs> Wonderful So ladies and gentlemen You've been listening to the Adorable Lucy Bryars. I've been Chris Grimes Tune in next week For more stories from the clearing And uh, good night You've been listening To the Good Listening To show Here on UK Health Radio With me Chris Grimes Oh it's my son If you've enjoyed the show, then please do tune in next week to listen to more stories from The Clearing. If you'd like to connect with me on LinkedIn, then please do so. There's also a dedicated Facebook group for the show too. You can contact me about the programme, or if you'd be interested in experiencing some personal impact coaching with me, care of my Level Up Your Impact programme, that's chris at secondcurve.uk. On Twitter and Instagram, it's... At That Chris Grimes. So until next time, for me, Chris Grimes, from UK Health Radio and from Stan... To your good health and goodbye. So Lucy, could I get your immediate feedback on what that was like to be curated through this journey in this structure?
1: Yeah, it was really lovely. It was, I really liked having a structure because for me, I can wibble on a bit. (laughs) So it was really good to kind of know that the bell would be wrong. And I'd I'd got my little prepped notes and things like that. No, it was great. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. And I really enjoyed, um, Uh, prepping for it, actually, and thinking about it, especially the things that have shaped me. Yeah.
0: Yes, lovely. And thank you so much for all of that due diligence and working very hard to come up with some really spangly, fantastic answers. Really lovely conversation. It's a pleasure. And thank you so much for knowing that I'm trying to grow it. So whoever you can pass on the golden baton to would be really appreciated. Thank you very much.